Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to 1 Samuel 16. In the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 16. As you're going there, if you're a guest, we've been in a series called Marked. And what that means is, is everybody here, don't want you to miss this, everybody here is marked by God to make an everlasting impact. Now, I want you to get this, and I want you to miss this, because this might be a little painful to hear, but here's the fact. How you embrace this will determine if some people will be in heaven or some people will be in hell. Your life was purposed by God. The Bible says that he handcrafted you in your mother's womb. And he created you to have eternal impact. Which means you can go through life and think, I'm just going to take up space. You can go through life thinking that you're born, chase the worldly things, get a degree, get a job, retire, and think that one day I'm going to die. And that's it. But there will be people's lives that will be impacted forever because you didn't get it. That's a fact. Your life matters to God and your life matters to somebody else. You have been marked. We need to get this. It's time for us, much like the song, to rise up, to get out of the grave of our world, of our thinking, of our understanding, and watch what God can do as he calls us forth in being marked by him. Your life matters. And, and I'll, I'll, I want you to get this. This is me saying this. We need you in the game. We don't need you in the stands. We need you on the field. It's time to walk in victory, amen? It's time for that to happen. So last week, we talked about the fact that there is a cost to this, though. There is a cost to being marked. There's a price that has to be paid. Now, Jesus paid the ultimate price, but when we understand being marked, we've got to, if you will, let go of our plans our patterns and our pleasures. That's what we talked about. And the difficulty is, is that is a faith moment because what you need to realize is that whatever you think you're giving up, I will guarantee you're going to gain more in God. That is a fact, but you're never going to see it until you let go. There are some things that you need to crawl up on on a cross and die to. There's patterns that get in our way as Christians. Things of the old keep showing themselves up and you think you try to push them down or you want them to be hidden but when it comes to God nothing's hidden and what we're really doing is we're worrying more about our reputation than our character and we're going to talk about that but the same is with our pleasures and I'll say it again whatever you think it will cost you you're going to gain more in Jesus but you won't know it until you pay the price right 
Well, today we're going to talk about God's process to being marked because there is a process. And by the way, we're not going to like this. We don't like processes because we live in a world today that we can sort of just click it, get it. Know what I'm talking about? Two days shipping, delivery, and the shipping's free. But we already talked about last week when it comes to the shipping of God, let me tell you, it's not free, okay? But you need to hear this. God is not Amazon Prime. Oh, trust me, he's Prime and he made the Amazon, okay? But there's hardly anything of God that will happen in your life in two days and less. Now, I know some of you, let's just dispel it. Well, what about the miracles? When God just does something... And he does, but I mean this with all my heart about 99% of what God will do in your life will not happen like that. The greatest miracle that will happen in your life is this thing called process of a message I've entitled the gift of weight, the gift of weight. And we don't like the weight for anything true. But we're going to have a problem with this because here's what the Bible says in 2 Peter. That with God, remember two days shipping and less, okay? The Bible says that with God, one day is as good as a thousand years. Wow. So according to this, two-day delivery is about 2,000 years with God. In fact, I read about an economist who read these words and was thrilled He got so excited, he said to God, is it true that a thousand years for us is just like a minute for you? And God was like, yeah, it sure is. He goes, okay, then a million dollars to us must be like a penny to you. Well, it is. Well, God, would you please then give me one of those pennies? And he said, absolutely. Just wait here a minute. (laughs) And welcome to God's process. But here's the question. How long can you wait? Therein lies a problem, isn't it? So we don't like to wait on God, even though we say we trust God. But we want to hurry the process. And if you remember last week, we talked about the fact that what? There's a price that needs to be paid. But the week before, we talked about a king that God did not disqualify. He disqualified himself. And you know why? He couldn't wait. He failed to understand who his God is. And so often we do the same. Folks, you can't microwave being marked. There's no such thing as fast food faith. There is a process by which God works. Now, look what the Bible says, a very popular verse that a lot of us have probably heard, but look what it says, for those who wait upon the Lord. Notice the promise here. Don't miss this. Those who wait on the Lord. He's not talking about the ones that choose not to. He says, I want you to understand, there's a promise to those who wait. They will get fresh strength. Those who wait upon the Lord because they understand who the Lord is, they're the ones that spread their wings and soar like eagles. See, it's the ones who understand what it means to wait that get this gift. They're the ones that run and never get tired. 
It's in the waiting that you walk and you never lag behind. Uh, let me ask for a show of hands. How many of you here have ever sat in a doctor's office longer than you planned? <laughs> okay, all right. Anyone here ever sat at a stoplight longer than you wanted? I always find that interesting. It was in, during the last service. Less hands went up. I don't even know what that means, okay? Have you ever stood in a line longer than you had hoped? Now, I got to tell you a quick story. This wasn't in my notes, but this happened yesterday. So we went with some friends to Sam's Club. And we, we got our groceries and did all that. And they have two lines departing from the store. And of course, I'm being a smart man of God. I looked for the shorter one. You ever done that? Okay. And I got it. Our friends got in the long one. And it was backing up. And we got in and had one person right in front. They're already checking in. I'm thinking, we're going to get up there. It's going to be great. We got there and everybody else is just going by us. Like we didn't move. And it's like, God gave me a flashback. Remember what you're going to preach tomorrow. <laughs> and I looked at God and said, that'd be tomorrow. But right now, <laughs> and our friends had to wait for us because the person in front had grabbed something as they're going, which by the way, makes no sense to me. You pay back there and then still have stuff that you can pick up on the way to the door. Is that, help me with that. Is that. I don't get it. It's like they're tempting you. Please steal something so we can nail your butt to the wall, you know? And so they must have picked something up and it wasn't on their receipt. So then they had, to, they had to work through all that. And I was like, really? I was like, you know, smiling, being Christ-like. Just like, you know, it was unbelievable. But here's the deal. We've all, we've all, haven't we? We've all sat. We've all sat. And we've all stood, haven't we? The question is, how did you? Were you impatient? Or were you intentional? See, I want you to think about that. Just maybe the doctor's office, just maybe a stoplight, just maybe the lines were actually God-endowed to reveal something in our lives that we keep missing. And yet how many of us, it's more of impatience than it is intentionality. Because how you wait is the essence to understanding what it means to be marked. And boy, God has been showing me this. See, God's process is a gift of waiting. Now, hear this. It's not probable. It's promised. It's promised. He will make us wait. Because that's how he prepares us for what he has planned for us. Meaning, if we don't get this, we won't get that, whatever we think that that is. This is an important moment. How we wait, what we do. And so if you have your Bibles, First Samuel 16. And I'm going to begin, if you will, in the sixth verse. <clears throat> 
1 Samuel 16, beginning in the sixth verse. When they arrived, now let me tell you who they is so we can kind of set the picture up. Just paraphrasing, drawing a picture for you. We all know that a few weeks ago we talked about the fact that God had one king, and I still believe to this day he, he only purposed to have one king. But that king disqualified himself. He decided that he knew what was best, even though the one who put him in that place is the one that set it all in motion. And Saul decided he didn't want to be king unless he could do it his way. And you need to understand something. No kingdom of that will ever stand. And so God then says, okay, Samuel, the prophet, I've got another king. And we all know who that is, but I don't want you to miss something in this passage. We all know that would be David. But you need to see something that so often is missed about David that I think a lot of us feel like. And we, we forget this. That we're later going to look on that the Bible said years after he was gone that he was a man after God's own heart. But you need to see how it all began. So God says to the prophet, I've got this dad who has a boatload of boys. And I want you to bring them all together and I'm going to show you the one who I'm calling out to be king. You, you got the picture? They're all there, we think. So when they arrived, Samuel, God's prophet, took one look at Eliab. He's Jesse's, that's the father, that's David's daddy, but let's just remove David for a moment. He's got his boys in the room, and the oldest is going to go first. But Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is God's anointed. Now, this is just a moment for all of us to go, oh, man, that feels good. Thank you for sharing that. Because I want you to get this. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, he's not. I I'm going to read this in a moment. I only wanted you to get this because even God's prophets didn't always get it right. And I don't know about you. That just makes me go, oh, that's okay. But now watch this. Don't let that justify your behavior. Because I know some of you are saying, see, none of us are perfect. Catch this. We're to chase perfection. That's who I'm chasing. And I don't want to justify my life in my imperfection. I want to just my, justify my life in his perfection. Amen to that? I'm chasing him, not me. And if I'm chasing him, then I can't keep justifying me. That's what the blood of Jesus did. That's why when I falter, I don't excuse it. I repent it. And my Bible says he restores it to its full cleansliness. Amen? Amen. And so I just wanted you to see that because even the prophet didn't get it right. Because he says, this has got to be the dude. I mean, look at him. Eliab must have been one strapping guy. But the Lord said, don't miss this because he's setting not only Samuel up, he's not only setting Jesse up and his brothers or his children, he's setting us up as well. Here's what he says. Don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him, for the Lord does not see things the way you see them. 
God never sees things the way you and I see them. That's why we walk by faith, not by sight. I want what God wants, not what I see. People judge outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is important. You might want to write this down. The heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. Everything in life, the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. It's always a matter of the heart. That's what God cares about the most. But how we wait reveals much about our heart and in whom we trust. Verse 8. Then Jesse told his son, Abnadab, you need a new name. No, he didn't say that. (laughs) I just love his name. Don't you love it? Hey, look at there's Abnadab. All right. Only the younger crowd probably get that. But then Jesse told his son Abnadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen either. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one that the Lord has chosen. Now watch this. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But that's not true. He has eight. And this is where I want you to catch because we need to look at the heart before we can ever talk about the process. Because part of God's process is you haven't got your heart right yet. Because the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. See, watch this. Watch this. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the dad, "Uh, the Lord has not chosen any of these. I just wonder what's going through the prophet's mind when he says, you got any others? See, I just assumed that you knew God was coming and you knew that God was going to anoint one of your kids. I just assumed you'd have them all in the room. But look what daddy says. And I think some of us feel this way. Look what daddy says. No, no, I do have another one. He's the youngest. But you have to understand, prophet, he's out in left field. That's my addition. I just find it amazing that his own father didn't believe that he could be an anointed one. And I wonder how many of you feel that way. You've all your life, you keep pointing, you look at a stage like this and say, well, I'm no Chris Fickle. I'm no Reed DeVries. You're always looking around comparing yourself or believing a lie that someone told you because it's a lie because I'm here to tell you, you are marked by God and God wants to do something amazing in your life, through your life, to touch another life that's forever and ever and ever, and nothing can ever change that. And you sit around feeling like David. Because whoever your daddy was, whether it was a teacher, whether it was a friend, or maybe actually your father, said, no, no, he's out in left field. He's taking care of the sheep because he's only good enough to be a shepherd. I just find it interesting. I wonder what that did for Samuel. Like you knew I was coming 
And God told you to bring all your boys in the room, but you left him in the field. You left him in the field. You see, he's out there in left field watching the sheep and the goats. I put the left in there. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. I want to say this again. Whatever you think, whatever you feel, my Bible says this, for nothing can separate you from the love of God. And you think you're overlooked, you feel overlooked, you're not overlooked. If the hairs on the head are numbered, which would be very easy for some of us in this room to count yours, okay? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> What's hair? Anyway, <laughs> I heard someone once say, if you want to use that, your hormones to grow it up there, feel free. But um, I just want you to catch, I had one guy tell it, actually I was at a conference and he said, you see a bald head, I see a solar panel for a sex machine. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So... Some of you wives are going, you gave him ammunition. <laughs> I've met him. No, I didn't. Anyway, but I want you to catch this. Everything, nothing escapes his eye. And how much more valuable are you to God? You're not overlooked, maybe by the world, but not by the one that matters. <laughs> And you got to get that heart right. You got to get that heart right. Now watch what happens. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the guy. This is the one. Anoint him. And it's the first time his name will be used. Notice this. His own father didn't even give him his name. At least in the story. But the moment God shows up in the scene... He has a name. And the Bible says, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil and he had brought, that he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And watch, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Don't miss that. The spirit of God came upon David in that moment. And this is the line that so many people miss. Then Samuel, the prophet, returned to Ramah. Anybody know where David returned to? The pasture. The sheep. This is so important you get this. God anointed him in this moment and the spirit of God came upon him. And then God took him back to the pasture to prepare him with the gift of weight. And David got it. Because well after he was gone, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. David learned a secret that you and I need to learn, folks. I just find this interesting, don't you? That the one whom God anoints last was not even first invited. It's amazing what God can do with the last pick. The first shall be last. <laughs> the leader shall be servant. You wash feet. You'll be amazed what I'll do with you. 
don't miss the gift of weight. What happens in private is more important than whatever is seen in public. So I want to give you three keys from David's life about the gift of weight. Now, don't miss this. The key is you don't wait on God. You're waiting in God. That's what I don't want you to miss. Too many people, your prayers aren't answered. You know why? You're sitting around doing nothing and you're waiting on God rather than realizing God never does nothing. He's doing something in the very moment while you're waiting. So you wait in him because some of the best answered prayers are while you're waiting in him, not waiting on him. Did you catch that? I hear so many people go, well, I prayed. Where's God? My question is, is while you were praying, were you being in God? See, if you're praying for God to come through, you might be sitting back and seeing. But when I pray, I'm not praying for an answer. I'm praying to the answer. Therefore, I pray expecting, not waiting. Do you hear that? So I want to show you what David teaches us. Three keys to waiting in God rather than on God. And here it is. First, here it is. It's in the waiting that my character needs to be cultivated as well as corrected. It's in the waiting that my character needs to be cultivated as well as corrected. And the same is true for you. See, our character, our character is foundation for our entire life. It's everything about our lives. And by the way, would you agree, better to work on your character when no one's looking versus when it gets revealed for everyone to see? (laughs) True? I mean, the best time to work in your character, wouldn't you rather be walking with God and letting God help you grow in him before you ever go public? Yes? See, I think a lot of people try to rush the process. That's what gets them in trouble. And then they start praying for God to bail them out. Folks, again, I will say this, and you're going to hear it throughout. Too often we're chasing the crown rather than picking up the cross. But the cross is the key to the crown. There's no resurrection until you die first. So this is the time while you're waiting for something or you're waiting for God to do what God promised he would do. This is a time to be working on your character before him. Let him cultivate it. Let him correct it. Before Bobby Jones, and some of you probably have no clue who that is, especially the younger people, but he was a legendary golfer. In fact, in the golf world, he's probably more legendary than Jack Nicklaus or even a Tiger Woods. Bobby Jones is a legend. But before he became that, he faced many tough years, seven to be exact, that the media entitled the seven lean years of Bobby Jones. So lean were those years that most doubted at this time that Bobby Jones could ever win a major. He hadn't done it. It was at the tail end of those seven years that one specific event would define him forever in the history books. And I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the movie, uh, The Legend of Bagger Vance. But in that movie, there's a little kid called Randolph Juna. He actually lives this out. But it was, and what's interesting is he's playing, if you will, uh, and some of you might remember Walter Hagen and Bobby Jones in the movie. But this is really a true life moment of Bobby Jones. You see, this event would define him. The event was the prestigious U.S. Open. It was said that Bobby Jones inadvertently touched his golf ball, 
causing it to roll ever so slightly forward. So slight was the touch that no one else saw it, including his playing partner that day, Walter Hagen. But Bobby was persistent. I just wonder how many of us, we might have done something different, or maybe we have. As a result, Bobby Jones was ruthless about this. In fact, the tournament official, after much debate, finally placed the, the call into his hands. Well, Bobby, it's up to you. Do you believe you really touched the ball? Emphatically, he replied, I know I did. And because of that, he imposed a one-stroke penalty on himself, and he went on to lose the 1925 U.S. Open by one stroke. But this is something you need to know, and then I want to finish the story. Bobby Jones understood, I'm not winning for a living. I'm living as a winner. And I wonder how many of us in this room, no one saw it. And you're thinking, dear God, if I could win this, what this could do for my family. You know what God's saying? Yeah. If you overlook that, I'll show you what it'll do to your family. Because you have no character. Who you are in private is ultimately really who you are in public. You see, you need to know this about Bobby. He lost that major, but he would go on to win seven of them. And in 1974, he would be inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame. He understood. It doesn't matter if anybody else saw it. I did. And I got to live rightly. The great John Wooden said this, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are. The truest test of a person's character is what they do when no one is watching. Some of you probably heard the name Tony Robbins and he's got an article called The Midnight Work and I just love this quote from this. Listen to this very carefully. Watch this, especially for you who are married. Everything we do when we are not with others, is the chance to show who you really are. For it is there we actually strengthen our relationships. Relationships aren't strengthened when we're together. It starts when we're apart. Look what he says. This is amazing. Because it's easy to think that trust is built through loyalty, but it's not. Trust comes when others feel that they are being put first even when we are not physically with them. That is powerful. That is amazingly powerful. By the way, Joseph in the Bible had to wait 13 years for what God said he promised him. But it was during that gift of wait that Joseph knew this is the time to cultivate my character. This is time to correct it. And after 13 years, God used him to save an entire nation. Here's number two. Secondly, it's in the waiting that my God-given gifts can be discovered as well as perfected. It's in the waiting that my God-given gifts can be discovered as well as perfected. 
See, before David was king, he became a skilled shepherd. Before he took the throne, he became a skilled musician. Before he wore the crown, he became a skilled writer. By the way, the majority of the Psalms that he wrote, he wrote out in the pasture as a shepherd, not in the palace as a king. Before they deemed him worthy, God had to make him worthy. But that's a problem. We don't like to wait. And I'll say it again. We keep chasing the crown rather than picking up the cross. But now is the time to be figuring out what are my gifts. And some of you go, I don't know what my gift is. I'm going to help you in just a moment. But now is the time to be working on that. I don't know if you remember the story of David and Goliath. There's something we miss in it. And I'm just going to paraphrase a story for you. But watch this. If you remember... David shows up as a shepherd. Dad sends him with some cheese to go out with a bunch of soldiers that are sitting. I always find that funny. I think it's God's humor because the last thing you want to do with people that just sit around is give them cheese. So anyway, um, so he runs out there and he gives them cheese and he sees Goliath, right? And he's like, oh my goodness, someone's got to do something. So he goes up to the king who's Saul at this time and he says, don't worry about the Philistine. I'll fight him. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted, and I don't want you to miss what he says. I've been taking care of my father's sheep. In other words, you have no idea how much I've been preparing for this moment. I wonder how many of us are out in the pasture guarding God's sheep And a lion and a bear come and take one and you're thinking, it's just a stupid sheep. I'm going back home to my wife. I'm going back to my husband. It's just a stupid sheep. I'm not going to risk my life. But see, David understood something. They're not my sheep. And I've been entrusted. And I want my boss to know that even when he's not looking, I'll lay my life down for it. And Jesus said, no greater love than this that you would. Do you work that way in your work? When no one's looking? When the boss is gone, do you lean on the shovel and only start digging when he shows up? I just find this interesting. It was on the hillside that God was preparing him and David got it. He said, when I saw a lion or a bear come to steal lamb, I'd go after it with a club and rescue it from his mouth. If the animal turned on me, I'd catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both, and he uses plural, lions and bears. Oh my, you know, my goodness, it was more than just one moment. And because I'm ready for this, I'll do it to that pagan Philistine. For he has defied the armies of the living God because who I am in private matters to my God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear when no one was looking because I wasn't doing it for applause. I was doing it to be a faithful shepherd. He'll rescue me from that Philistine. And you know why God could? Because God knew who David was when no one was looking. He understood the gift of weight. Maybe some of us, when we're in that moment, God can't use because he knows what we were doing in the weight. David was perfecting. Anybody remember how many stones he picked up that day? Five. Anybody remember how many he used? (laughs) That'll tell you how good shot he was. He got really good. (laughs) He got really good. You might want to write this down. What you do in the shadows of weight 
is what will come forth in the light. What you do in the shadows of the weight is what comes forward in the light. You all know the line practice makes perfect, but practice always gives way to any and future opportunity. You'll never do in performance what you hadn't rehearsed in practice. Proverbs 22 says this, do you see a man skillful in his work? He's asking the question, do you see a man skillful in work? He's the one that will stand before kings. He won't stand before obscure, obscure men. He's skilled because he understood the gift of weight. So what are you good at? Remember I told you, we got tools for this. Some of you are going, I don't know what my gift is. Y'all have one. So I just want to encourage you. Okay, we have ways that you can figure it out, at least get started. You can go to our Celebrate app and there's a place there called the Hello tab. Just click on that, okay? Or you can go to our webpage and go to our Next Step Serving and you'll see it. There's a gifts inventory there. Or you can go out in the Welcome Center after service. We got iPads out there. It's a little, little tool that will help you start focusing in and figuring out what your spiritual gift might be. But if you don't know, let me tell you one of the best ways to do it. Just like going in and trying on a pair of shoes. Try it. If you like them, you buy them. And then you wear them out. Find a place to serve. You know, like, man, I think I really like kids. Start in the, in the nursery. Okay, not that young. You know, go the next one. Okay, not that young. All of a sudden you get, all of a sudden you're starting to work in the youth ministry. Why? You're figuring out you have a gift. But find that gift. You need to be using it and then cultivate it, cultivate it. All right, here's number three. I'm going to invite Ryan to the stage. It's in the waiting that my faith needs to grow as well as flourish. It's in the waiting my faith needs to grow. Remember I told you about that verse of Acts 13, 22? God testified this. This is written in the New Testament. David's been long gone. And here's what the Bible says. God's saying this. I have found David, son of Jesse, Say it with me, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I have found him. David, he's a man after my own heart. You know, when I read that, here's my question. How in the world do you get to be called that? Because that's what I want. I'm assuming we all want that, right? I mean, I don't want to get to heaven and God goes, well, there's Keith, man after Kay's heart. That's my wife. Oh, there's Keith, a man after his kid's heart. He's always chasing them. Well, there's Keith, a man after Celebrate's heart. Because any success of that, first and foremost, is only because God gave it, right? I really want to hear God go, man, Keith, you're a man after my own heart. That's what I want. I want to be a man after God's heart, don't you? So how do you get that title? I'm gonna, it's real easy for me. You ready for this? How often do you eat physical food? How often do you eat spiritual food? I can tell you as your pastor... I have more meals in God's word than I do physically for my body every day. I'm going to share something that's going to hurt, but I got to say it. But I'll set it up with this. God's number one desire is that what? We love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. 
By doing that, I will love my neighbor as myself. That's the fruit. But he said, for, first and foremost, I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind. And you know how that happens? When you learn from David the gift of weight, because that's the test of how much you really love him. See, David was anointed that day. Remember when I told you that? He's brought in. Not only his dad didn't even think he could do it, but God knew it. He anointed him. Did you know he would go back to the pasture? It would be 15 years, 15 years before he'd become king. But we learned something from David, and I told you, this is going to hurt. David didn't wait or waste the gift of weight. Let me put it in more modern context. He wasn't checking his social media while he sat in the doctor's office. He wasn't texting his friends when he sat at a stoplight. He wasn't pursuing or perusing his Facebook and his social media while he stood in the line. This is not a message that I'm anti these. I will just tell you more than anything. I think the greatest addiction that we have right now in our world among all of us is this right here. And I will guarantee you we spend more time checking in on what the world's saying rather than being in the word of what God said. You do what you want with it. You can get mad. I'll go somewhere else. Yep. And you don't get the gift of weight. I'm a 57-year-old guy. Okay? Actually, I'll turn 57 on, on the 19th this month, and I, cash is what I take. But I, uh, <laughs> so, I always say that. People go, why do you do that? No one gives me anything anyway. So what do I care? Um, but I want you to listen to this. I'm 57. I have no internet on my phone. Some of you send me stuff and go, you got to check this out. I can't check it out. You have no idea. I keep telling you, quit sending me some Facebook posts because I can't click on it and it shows up. I don't read it. I have to copy it, go home, put it on my email, send it to myself, and then click on it. And then it's some private Facebook anyway, which then I'm like, really? You know what I mean? Copy and paste and send me it or quit sending it to me. Because I, no, I have no internet. I pastor a big church. I have no internet. Because there's nothing that's going to come through this via the world that's going to help me in the gift of weight. But if you do see me on it, almost most of the time it's because I have the Bible app. So when I'm sitting in the doctor's office, I like reading scripture. When I'm sitting at a stoplight... I like reading scripture because the dude behind me will let me know it turned green, trust me. So <laughs> it's like a built-in alarm, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, God bless you. <laughs> Which is really humbling because I have to admit my humanness because sometimes I'm reading scripture, <laughs> I'm reading scripture and they honk the I'm like, I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> but you have no idea. I got one life. So do you. My life is marked by God to make something happen forever. 
so do you. How we wait is huge. Please, there's a lot of good things in this. I'm grateful for that Bible app. But we were at Original House of Pancakes the other day. And we were with some friends and my wife and my daughter. Right next to us was a table. It's a mom and dad and three kids. Right next to us. Mom and dad were on their phone. One of the children were on the phone and the two youngest were looking at their food. The entire time we were there, no one said a word. And my heart just broke. I'm so glad that God didn't send me a text that he was going to die on the cross. I'm glad he came here and did it physically. I'm glad he didn't send me an email to tell me he loved me and call me his friend. But he gave me the Holy Spirit that lives right inside me. I think there's power to reach out and say, man, I'm going to tell you how proud I am of you. But I don't want this world to sucker and seduce me in thinking anything. And I think it's why a lot of people live in fear. You keep reading the news about a pandemic rather than spending time with the one who's bigger than it. I'm just going to say it. I get information, but I want transformation. And the word can only do that. David didn't waste it. He did something on that hillside as a shepherd with no one looking that demonstrated a man after God's own heart. In a dream, God told a man to go outside and push against a huge boulder in front of his yard. So every morning he did what God asked. The man went outside and strained against the rock. He pushed and pushed and groaned and groaned and prodded and shoved, but the rock never budged. Finally, in a fit of exhaustion, he fell to his knees and said, God, what are you thinking? You told me to push against this rock. I've been doing it for weeks, yet it's not moved an inch. Suddenly, a voice from heaven, heaven rumbled among the clouds and said to him, I told you to push against that stone. I never told you to move it. That's my job. And I'll move it when you're ready for it to be moved. But I would like you to look at your hands right now. And the man looked at his hands and he noticed that they had grown calloused and strong. He looked at his arms and he noticed they were bulging with muscle. And he realized what God was doing. In all of his efforts, he began to see the fruit of the strength he was gaining and the wisdom he was gathering. So as you wait in God, what a time to cultivate right now and correct your character. As you wait in God, what a time to discover and perfect your God-given gifts. As you wait in God, what a time to grow deeper and deeper in your faith. What a time, such as a time, as we're in God, not waiting on God. What an incredible gift of waiting. What a beautiful process and what God will do. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you so much for your word. It's so impregnated for me. And God, as I stand before these people, I recognize I've been too impatient at times. I know that. Miss the intentionality and the opportunity I had. But not today. That's what I love about the gospel message. It doesn't matter where we've been. 
What matters right now is where we are and where we want to go. And today, we can embrace the gift of weight. That's the beautiful thing about you. We don't have to beat ourselves up of something in the past. Right now, it's a new day. But how we wait reveals so much about our heart. That God, we're waiting on you. Not for an answer. You are the answer. And you will never fail us. You will never forsake us. You will never leave us. You got us. You're never early. You're never late. You're always in time. And so we will wait. And as we do, we'll wait in you, not on you. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone says, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.